gang, passion is contagious. If you're passionate about something, it's contagious. You know, I, I sat out there today watching people come in and people come in, big old smiles on their faces, excited to be here. That's the real deal Christianity right there. When somebody's happy. The Bible says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Welcome to Cross the Bridge with David McGee. Too many Christians nowadays walk through life without any joy. They see serving God as simply a chore and nothing else. Find out how you can serve with enthusiasm today as Pastor David continues in Romans 12 with his teaching, Serve with Enthusiasm. Here's David McGee. So we're in Romans chapter 12, and Romans chapter 12 gives a lot of really good, solid, practical insights into how to live as a Christian. And, and so, you know, in, in something like this, everyone in here can find something to apply to their life to become more like Jesus. So with that, let's, let's look. We wound up with verse 10 last week. We'll pick it up with Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Let's talk a little bit about these things. We'll start with verse 10. It talks about being affectionate with people. We need to be able to express our care for one another. This is a very loving church, and this is, a, you know, some people, the huggy church, you know, and people call me the huggy pastor, and that's a good thing to express how much we care for each other. And not a standoffish way, but in an emotional way. And I understand for some of you, it's kind of a new thing. I, I remember going back months ago, you know, I was wandering around and somebody said, hey, here, you know, this, this person's new and stuff. So, you know, I reached out and gave her a big hug, you know. And, and then she walked off and the guy said, well, that was an interesting time. And I said, why was that? And he said, she was just explaining to me that everybody here keeps invading her personal space. And then you just <laughs> kind of reached out and gave her a big hug, you know. So, I know, I mean, sorry. You know, I try to be sensitive if somebody, you know. But we should express our love for one another. I mean, this is, this is the place, you know, if we can't love each other, man, what hope do we have of loving people out there if we can't express it in here? And so Paul's talking about this, and Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, says, hey, man, be kindly affectionate to one another and honor giving preference to one another. There's practical ways you can do that. And of course, those of you who serve do this in a very practical way. You prefer somebody else to have time and you serve and you give your time here so that they might be able to do other things. And so that's a practical thing. And then in verse 11, it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In the New Living Translation, it says, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. My father was a, taught me a lot of things. He's a very hard-working fellow. He'd get up early, go to work, stay late sometimes. And, you know, as a young man, I, I didn't completely understand that. And one of the things I would say is, like, Dad, you know, oh, you, you got to go to work. My dad would say, no, son, I get to go to work. And that planted a seed in my heart at a young age that, that you know, work wasn't a dirty, nasty thing. It was actually a, a privilege and a responsibility. And so we need to understand, and the Bible talks about how we're supposed to work and that we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be lazy, especially in the things that we do for the Lord. Now, I am big and the staff is big and 
excellence in ministry. Not that we're putting excellence over serving the Lord or over vision or anything, but it has to be a consideration. Because, you know, sometimes when people are doing stuff for church, they're like, well, that's good enough. Good enough. Who are you doing it for? You're doing it for God? For the creator of this universe? Then give it your best. Give it your all. Do it enthusiastically. Here's what Paul is saying. Here's the first life lesson. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice your gift. In other words, if God has gifted you in some way in encouragement and giving and serving some gift or talent, do it with your full enthusiasm and ability. Because if you don't, it's going to be a squandering of the gift. And you've probably heard that, you know, what God has made you is your gift to you. What you do with your giftings is your gift back to God. So I encourage you to develop your gifts, pour them out. And, and again, in the Bible, it says in, in the New King James, it says, not lagging in diligence. What's diligence? Diligence is hard work. And understand, gang, if you have an unbelieving boss who has to come to you and tell you not to leave work early or to get there on time or that you should be working instead of playing or on the internet or mouthing off. You, you need to understand you just blew your witness with your unbelieving boss. I wouldn't even mention your relationship with the Lord for a little while. See, because as believers, we should be a shining witness of what? Of good stuff working hard and coming in early and staying late. Why? Because it gives us an opportunity to witness. And, and let's say if that happens, and maybe some of you are going, wow, man, that just happened last week. Now I feel bad. It can give you an opportunity to exercise grace. If that happens, you say, chances are your boss is saying that to other people, okay? And those other people are going, well, it's, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm late, but it's actually my wife's fault that I'm late, and, you know, or, or it's my husband's fault just because the kids, you know, they're blaming somebody else. If it happens to you, you know, look at your boss and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I don't have any excuse and I will try to do better. I understand that I have dishonored you and what's more important to me is I've dishonored the Lord. So please, you have my apology. It's very different than what he would hear from somebody else. And in a way, that's an opportunity for you to give witness. But especially in these things that we do for the Lord, may we do them with enthusiasm, with our whole heart, if you will fervent, passionate. Everybody's passionate about different things. And it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, the things that we're passionate about, they tell a great deal. And, and I know that, you know, here we're, we're passionate about the Lord. We're passionate about ministry. We're, we're excited about that, if you want to exchange that word. The reality is this is a good place to exercise our passion for the Lord. Now, that may be new for some of you. You may come in here and go, well, you should be very quiet. You should never clap your hands. That's just wrong. You shouldn't clap your hands in church or raise your voice. No, 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 no. But then that same person will go to a sporting event or a political rally or a NASCAR race, be hollering and hooting and clapping and yelling, and somehow that's okay to express your passion there, but you just can't do it in that whole life, death, heaven, hell, God thing. I'm passionate about my relationship with the Lord. I come in here. You know, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. That's scriptural. 
Now, I'm not saying you can't holler at NASCAR or holler at the TV while they're doing it or football or basketball. I don't have any problem with that. But we should be passionate about the Lord as well, fervent. Next life lesson, we should be passionate about our spiritual lives. We should be passionate about our spiritual lives. What part of our spiritual life? Every part of it. Every part of it. We should be passionate about the church. Why? Because, gang, passion is contagious. It is. If you're passionate about something, it's contagious. You know, I, I sat out there today and watching people come in, and people coming in, big old smiles on their faces, excited to be here. That's the real deal Christianity right there. When somebody's happy. The Bible says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, I'll bring it up again. I do it from time to time. But the Disney characters in the Winnie the Pooh movie, there's Eeyore and there's Tigger. And Eeyore, if you've not seen it, Eeyore, he's just always bummed out about something. He's just, it's, I mean, it, you know, the best thing in the world can happen and Eeyore's gonna be bummed out about, you know. Winnie the Pooh can get a big pot of honey and Eeyore's gonna go, it's just gonna go bad soon. <laughs> too many Christians are like Eeyore's. And too few Christians are like Tigger. Tigger's always bouncing, he's passionate, he's enthusiastic. I wanna be more like Tigger. I wanna be less like Eeyore. We need that Tigger thing. We need to be enthusiastic or passionate about our relationship with the Lord. We'll return to David's teaching in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about a special booklet that would be the perfect gift for any man on your Christmas list this year. The booklet is entitled, A Father's Blessing. And within its pages, David McGee discusses the power and responsibility a father has in caring for his family. This booklet can help men who have had poor relationships with their own fathers, as well as bless those who are just beginning their adventure into fatherhood. When you call today with a gift of any amount to cross the bridge, we'll send you a Father's Blessing as a thank you for your support of the ministry. Call today at 877-458-5508. That's 877-458-5508. Or go online to crossthebridge.com. Experience the joy of biblical fatherhood with David McGee's A Father's Blessing. Contact us today for your copy. Friend, do you have a heart for the lost? I invite you to send us the first names of your lost loved ones, and we will have hundreds of people praying for them. Just go to crossthebridge.com and click on the prayer button, and you'll enter their name. And if you put your name and email address in there, I'll send you free resources to equip you to pray and teach you how to reach your lost loved ones. Please don't wait. This is so important. So please, again, go to crossthebridge.com and click on the prayer button and send us the first names of lost loved ones. We'll send you some free information, and together we can partner to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole world, the whole book for the whole world. Now let's return to David McGee's verse-by-verse teaching in the book of Romans. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Man, there's a lot of stuff in there. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Now, here's the thing. You come to Jesus by his grace. You can ask him to forgive you of all your sins. You come to him and then God, and here's the great news. God has a plan for your life. And it's an incredible plan to live a life that 
Jesus said, I've come to give you not just life, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, a better life, a better way to live, okay? So that's the good news. God has a plan for your life. Bad news is you got no idea what that plan is. You may think you do. To some varying degree, your plan is not the same as God's. So as you go through life, guess what? You discover God's plan, and it's a good one. It's the best one. But if you're like, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm all about my plan, you're going to be frustrated as a Christian because there's going to be things in your daily living that you didn't count on or plan on. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Man, that's good stuff right there, friend. God says, I got a plan. I know the beginning, I know the end, I know what's around the corner, and I, even now I'm preparing you for what's coming. That's good stuff, why? Because God is at work in your life. Ephesians 3.20 says, now glory be to God. By his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. A lot of people paint God as this guy who just smashes dreams. No, God is the dream giver in the Bible. He helps dreams to be fulfilled. He gives pictures sometimes of, uh, of what the future holds for people and gets them excited about it and then fulfills it. Life following God is an incredible adventure. Rejoicing in hope. What is hope? Now understand, when we use hope biblically, that's a little different than the way we define the world in the everyday. We say, well, hope, like hope what? Like I hope it works out. No, that's not the biblical definition of hope. Hope in the biblical definition, I know it's going to work out. I'm just not sure when. We refer to Jesus as the blessed hope. The blessed hope. I know that at some point I'll be redeemed out of this earthly body. I don't know when, but I know it's going to happen. Patient and tribulation. No. Now there's a phrase. Patient and tribulation. We have in our life, we have these spiritual mountaintops and we have these spiritual valleys. And, and a lot of times when we're on the spiritual mountaintops, we pray bold prayers, don't we? I mean, you know, you're having that moment. Maybe it's during worship. Maybe it happened this morning. You know, you're in worship. Man, everything is just cruising. Oh, it's your favorite worship song. And you're, oh, Lord, I'm just, well, oh, Lord, help me to grow my faith. Yes, Lord. Or if you're really bold or maybe young in the Lord, you go, Lord, make me more patient. Yes, praise God, you know. Now, when we pray that prayer, we think, well, here, here what, here's, here's, God, when I ask you for patience, here's what I want to happen. I want you to kind of just have the Holy Spirit hover over me and sprinkle patience dust on me. And then one moment, I don't have patience, and then boom, I got it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's not the way that it works. When you ask God to build your faith, and you ask God to give you patience, you need to understand how he's going to answer that prayer. Because he doesn't just sprinkle patience dust on you. When you say, God, help me to be more patient, God then gives you the opportunity to be more patient. So when you ask God to grow your faith, he sends tribulations your way. When you ask for patience, he sends you with opportunities to be more patient. So when you pray for patience and then you go out and there's a line in the restaurant or the food takes a little while or maybe there's a line at Walmart, that's an opportunity for you to be patient. Or maybe you get stuck in a traffic jam. That's an opportunity for you. Now, 
here's the bizarre thing. God, grow my faith. Give me patience. And then we get in the middle of this tribulation, and what do we do? God, get me out of this tribulation. Get me out of here quick, you know? And God's like, I'm still answering the first prayer to give you patience, and then now you're out. Get me out of here as quick as you can. I understand tribulations are hard. I mean, that's, nobody's like, you know, oh, this is great. I just love tribulation. Nobody says that. They are. They're, they're lying. But it's the effect, the fruit that tribulation can have in our life. I understand it. I mean, sometimes it's just as a person, just as a Christian, and then sometimes as a pastor, it seems like I get hit with tribulation after tribulation after tribulation. You know, people, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm like tripping out. God is producing something in me that wasn't there before. And the way that it often happens, friend, is you go through this trial, this tribulation. This is continuing steadfastly in prayer. We have a strange view, and we, we quite frequently get rather legalistic and religious, if you will, about a prayer life. And sad to say, some of that's been reinforced from pulpits and platforms. Because, you know, pastors like to sometimes weave in that they're really superhuman and they're really, you know, not like everybody else in their prayer. And they, it's very subtle, and I've, I've practiced this art, so I'll perform it for you now. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm up here and I, you know, you know I, was, uh, I was praying for you guys last night. It was about 4 a.m. It's about the fourth hour that I had been in prayer. And see, as I'm saying that, you're going, now, first of all, you're very impressed, right? Wow, he got up at midnight and prayed for four hours, you know? So I'm looking good. But what, what happened to you? You're up there going, oh, I so cannot do that. I give up. I'm just going to forget my prayer life. I can't, you know, I hit snooze when I'm supposed to get up and pray. And so we get weird about it. Well, I'm going to set aside the time to pray. So, you know, I got to have a quiet room, got to have a candle lit, incense burning, velvet painting of Ellis on the wall, and then I can pray. But you know what? That just, you don't get those opportunities, especially if you got kids. So we developed this thing we call praying on the hoof, kind of a horse thing, but, you know, praying on the go. Some of the best prayer time I have is in the car. You know, I'm driving, I'll be out on 40, be driving down there, I'll just close my eyes, start praying. <laughs> no, I don't. If, you're, if you're praying and driving, don't close your eyes, okay? But that's a good time to spend time with the Lord. And guess what? If you get stuck in a traffic jam, guess what you just got? You just got a gift from God. Because you just got some time to pray that you didn't have before. And now everything, the way you look at the traffic jam, every time I, you know, when I get so convicted, I preach to myself so often up here. Every time I get stuck in a traffic jam, mentally, I go, how's my prayer life? <laughs> so I'll probably get stuck in traffic jam today or tomorrow, but... So this, this continuing steadfastly in prayer. And here's what's happened. You know, we, Jesus said, don't do vain repetitions and use a bunch of words, useless, meaningless words. That's why, you know what, and I've challenged my kids as they've grown up, you know, because we, when, sitting down for meals, we never did the, and if you've done that, I, it, I'm not trying to slam you, but people have different little prayers they go through, but they say, if you say the same thing every time before you eat, change that and give it something heartfelt. Because what can happen is those words begin to lose their meaning over time. Don't just run through some words of the Lord. Stay in an attitude of prayer. And here's what's cool. Man, if you got 10 seconds to pray, you say, hey, Lord, thank you for this day. Be with me. Help me. You know, if you're right in the midst of a trial, God, I need your strength. I'm about to lose it here. And if that's all you got, you know, Peter, when Peter was sinking, he didn't say, oh, Lord, who created the heavens. And the He'd have been underwater. 
He just cried, Lord, save me. He didn't have time for a long, eloquent prayer. But sometimes those short prayers are the most effective. So I encourage you, and then here's what happens when you stay in this attitude of prayer. You know what you're more aware of? You're more aware of the presence of the Lord. And then when you hit trouble, it's like, God, where are you? You know he's right beside you. You've been talking to him. Staying steadfast in prayer. Great stuff here. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Let's understand that hospitality is different than entertaining. Romans 12, 13 in the New Living Translation says this. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. Now, a lot of times, and, and this is a great group of people, very hospitable, very warm, but you know, you can't say, well, nobody's inviting me over for dinner. You, you're not in control of how many people invite you over for dinner or how many people call you or how many people email you. You have no control over that or very little. What you do have control over is how many people you invite for lunch, you invite for dinner, or phone calls and emails that you send out. So you can be hospitable looking to meet the needs of others. And, and again, distributing to the needs of the saints. That is something we take very serious. And, and understand when it says saints, or you, now maybe you're sitting here going, well, it's talking about like St. John, St. Matthew. No, 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 no. Biblically, the moment you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, this is so cool. You become a saint. You don't have to like prove miracles or anything like that. God says, okay, now you're a saint. I understand that's, that's a little hard to get our minds around, but biblically, that's what, so the moment, you know, so it's like St. David, kind of cool, kind of like that. St. Jack up here in the front row, kind of cool, you know? You're a saint, so then when we gather, we're getting together as the saints. And so in this body, when somebody comes to us, and especially we love everybody and we care for everybody. But if somebody comes here, we, we want to, you know, you're part of the family, man. And it's a big family. And just like every family, you know, you got crazy aunts and uncles and whatnot, but it's a, it's a big family and we love each other. And if, if somebody needs something, we want to know about it. Now, where do the resources come to meet their needs? come from you guys. See, y'all give to the church and the church is a blessing to other people. And when it works like that, it's beautiful. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given the hospitality. Again, hospitality is different than entertaining. Entertaining is, you know, come let me impress you with my stuff or whatever. Hospitality is more focused on the person who's there. What you're seeing develop in this chapter is that the body of Christ is not supposed to be fair with their friends. It's not, well, you know, I can go to the church and, you know, as long as we agree on everything. We're going to disagree on some things. As long as we agree on the main things, we can agree to walk the road together. There's a commitment there. And, and it's not, okay, well, you know, as long as we don't get angry or have a fight. No, 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 no. Let's work through those things. So as the body of Christ, there's that commitment. Well... If possible, it gets more difficult now. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Man, New Living Translation, if people persecute you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Now, let's understand something. A lot of what we call persecution is not persecution at all. If you work a job and you're supposed to be doing something, 
and you stop doing what you're supposed to be doing to stop to tell somebody about the Lord, that's not honoring God. And then if somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, you're really supposed to be a doer. I'm persecuted. No, no, no. Your boss is simply reminding you of what you're supposed to be doing there. So let's understand that persecution. But persecution, and a lot of times we suffer for things that we do or things we say. That's not persecution either. Persecution is when we're really loving God, loving people, telling people about the Lord, and somehow we suffer for it. And that, friend, that does happen. And when that does happen, you just pray that God smites them. I'm kidding. Now, really, you know what the Bible's saying here? The Bible's saying, do something that is entirely unnatural in your life. In order to do this, you have to enter into the supernatural. Why? Because in, in your, your nature, when somebody is mean to you, is to what? Be mean back. That's in your nature. Your fallen human nature. But in your super nature, your spiritual nature, your Holy Spirit nature, you can bless those who persecute you. Friend, do you know for sure that your sins have been forgiven? You can know right now. I want to lead you in a short, simple prayer, simply telling God you're sorry and asking him to help you to live for him. Please pray this prayer with me out loud right now. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me that I could be forgiven. And I believe you were raised from the dead that I could have a new life. And I've done wrong things. I have sinned. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me of all those things. Please give me the power to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, according to the Bible, you've been forgiven, you've been born again. So congratulations, friend, you just made the greatest decision that you will ever make. God bless you. If this was your first time praying that prayer with Pastor David, we would love to hear from you. You can call us toll-free at 877-458-5508 to receive our First Steps package with helpful resources to help you begin your walk with Jesus. Also, if you have been blessed by the ministry of Cross the Bridge and David McGee, would you consider supporting us with a financial gift? This month, when you give to Cross the Bridge, we will send David's powerful booklet on biblical fatherhood, entitled, A Father's Blessing. The number to call is 877-458-5508. That's 877-458-5508. Or go online to crossthebridge.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for David's email devotional and begin receiving daily inspiration in your inbox. That website again is crossthebridge.com. Thanks for listening today. We pray you will join us next time as we cross the bridge.